0: We're in the book of Philippians. Oh, Philippians, we're in chapter 4, who wrote the book? He wrote it to who? The church of Philippi, church of Philippi. where was Paul when he wrote it? Jail, Jail in? Rome. in Rome, okay, so good, we've, we've got all that down. Um, would y'all agree with this statement, we live in a culture of stress, would you agree with that statement or disagree, agree? Oh, yeah. Six, six, yeah. I'm like, I'm stressed out yelling. Yeah. Right? Um, and tonight I will use the term stress, anxiety, and fear interchangeably. They all sort of mean the same thing in the context of what I use this term. So, do we get that? Yes? Um, what causes stress today? Have you ever seen the, the uh, news? I think the whole point of the news is to stress you out. Uh, whether it's Online, or it's on the TV, or however you get the news, it is written in a way to make you fight or flight uh, and panic. Am I right? I mean, is it? it, Yeah. Or I just old. I'm like going, oh, I hate all this stuff. So I'm like a the the sky is falling, and then the sky is great. No, it's it's falling. I don't know about you on Instagram or I don't know on Snapchat, you would do it, but who knows? Uh, But on Facebook or whatever. If you talk about politics at all, it's stupid, okay, to have any sort of political conversation. I'm making a stand. You're not making a stand. You're hiding behind the screen. That's what everybody does who throws words out online. If you want to make a stand, speak about it in love to those around you. Just a, a, a free tip. You're welcome. Uh, social me- media by itself Add stress to your life. How do I look? How do they look? I compare myself to them, right? We have stress. Am I am I on to something here? No one's here stressed. Y'all are perfect. <laughs> do you know what generation you are? When I talk about your generation, what's the what's your the current, current Gen Z title Gen Z for your g- generation? <laughs> Y'all Jin Black? Jin Black. Black. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that one. Uh, It's actually called Generation Z. If you were born between, roughly now, 1998 and 2010, you're Generation Z. You have grown up always with the World Trade Center and the bombings. That's always been a part of your life. For those that lived well before that, life changed at that point for us. You've never known life. You were too young to even know life before that time. So the life that you know is all post that. So you're Generation Z. That's what uh, all the students in this room. Uh, if, if you're in college, really born 1985, there's a nice phone, and to 98, you're called a what? Millennial. Millenn- Millennial. They're patternate, right? They're representing millennials. But he's not like what these stereotypes are most of the time. Uh, anyways, uh, so, um, so, so, and then there's Generation X. That's 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 my age group 1965ish to 84ish so the Star Wars all came out so we're the best generation. And uh, sorry y'all didn't get anything like that. Uh, so that's mine and then there's there's baby boom, boom, boom boomers 1941 or 2 to 64. You can ask your parents how they got that name. It's just a special thing that occurred after a war. So so um so that that's sort of some groupings here and then there's there's even more before that. And there's been some tests that have shown who is who is who is more stressed out. What what gen, 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 gener, gen generations more stressed out. So if we go to the baby boom boomers and I've got a I've got a, a slide here. And it was asked Uh, uh, who, if they are very or extremely stressed, this is the, do we have it there? There you go. Go to the next slide, or the next one. There you go. Bait Booners. 13% say that they are very stressed or extremely stressed. So I would say like 8 out of 10, if you're doing a 1 out of 10 scale, this is how stressed I feel in life, 13%. My generation, Gen X, we were at 22%. 22% of us are, are stressed out of millennials 24%. It's pretty close to Gen X, right? Pretty close. Gen 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 Z 32%. Yeah. Thir- We're not stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Right. And so y'all got some things that we didn't have in my in my time as a teenager teen, that that y'all have now to be more stressed out about. Here's here's a slide Uh, In the the blue, it's Gen Z. The black is everybody else on average. Okay, so for mass shootings or school shootings, that is a for um, seventy-five percent of you, that's a cause of stress. Uh, When when you you know, if you were to market on this chart, this is what they put. This was that was the big thing. Next was the rise in suicide rates, which was at sixty-one percent. Climate change was at. 58%, adults were less. Uh, All the adults as as a whole, you can see, were less. Uh, Immigration issues, like folks being separated at the border for you, is a big deal. That's 57%. The Me Too movement, all that, 53% are scared of that. Why why are those things so heightened for your age group? Do you ever hear about these things at school or on the news or anything, this is so, it's sort of poured into you so you hear it a lot, right? The more you hear about something bad, the more it tends to stick and you start to worry. Do you ever, ever worry? Okay, three people. Four. I'll take four. Thank you. Now there's, we we, we take that fight off. There's different types of stress, okay? There's what I call rational stress, okay? And this is a stress that makes sense, okay? You've got to test Tomorrow, You just found out tonight because you slept in your class this morning. Okay? And you've got a test, and you've got to do well in it. And so everything's heightened, and you start to panic. Have you ever had stress over tests? Some of you. Are. I don't care about tests. Not a test, right? Uh, but, okay, so we have, we have tests. We have s- sporting events. We have giving a speech or sp- speaking in front of a crowd. That can be stress- stressful. We also have... As you grow up, and even as you're 16, 17, 18, if you're starting to pay for insurance for your car or bills, or you got to pay for youth trips, or you got to pay for gas for your car, there's stress, right? Is that stressful? Yes. It, it, it can be, sure. Relas- are we relationships, friendships, or ro- romantic? Can they ever be stressful? Dear Lord, if we could just wipe those things out, we'd be all right. We're just right? Ken? please like help me, please? <laughs> okay, so so. That's this type of stress that it's 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 normal. You, you should, sometimes, you should be heightened a, a little bit on, on some of these things. But then there's a thing called irrational stress, okay? And these are things that sort of form in our mind that may not be true. Like for some of you, t- tonight when you go to bed, all of a sudden you're going to fear a nine-foot bunny rabbit. is going to jump through your window. Yes. Wait a second. Wait a second. It's going to jump through there. It's going to... Crawl to the foot of your bed. Start gnawing on your feet while singing Good, Good Father. Okay. That's a sign that that, that, that you have an irrational fear and you've got a drug problem. Okay, that's what that, but it, okay. Now my sweet, sweet wife. He was perfect in almost every way except for driving a car. <laughs> I love you, babe. No, but I, and what I'm about to say, ever since we can think back, because I, I, ca- I, ca- I called her about this, and she said, you can't tell that in front of the group. And I was like, but it works. <laughs> she has always had this fear. And it's, at night, it, it, she'll, she'll say it you know, when it's cold outside, and she'll have socks on. And she's about to go to bed, and she'll go to me. What if there's a fire? Wait a second. Y'all got to hear this. What what if there's a fire and I put sandals on my feet, on on top of my socks, and I run outside and it's snowing? Stop. Wait. Listen. And my feet get wet and cold and frosted. And I'm like – I'm like – what are you? What drug are you doing? Right, right, you know, put your hand down. I need help? So, and, and so, and what's what's what what's, what's what's great is this? And I love her. It's sort of been she's been like this when she said it, like not joking. I'm like, are you, we're in Yulee, you know. We're, no snow. Been here for a long time, and if it does, it's not going to be enough to you can get your socks wet. So, so we have these these fears. Rational fear, irrational fear, or anxiety. And there's a third type, okay? There's a third type. Y'all hang, hang with me. There's, it's, it's what I would define as an anxiety disorder. And this is a legitimate medical condition where for for someone, for something is triggered in, in someone that in many cases incapacitates them to where they don't function the correct way. Now, um... Let, let me just be upfront with y'all. I have always been a guy that's been always just pretty chill. Even on staff, I'm just the guy that helps to calm things down. It's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be all, all right. So I've always been pretty calm and chill uh, until two years ago. And I'm watching Row 1. Some, some of you were in the, 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 the theater when this occurred. I'm, I'm watching Row 1 opening of it. And three fourths through the film, I was there. I, thank you. I'm sitting there and I get everything gets hot and I, my heart is racing and I feel like I'm about to, I'm having a stinking heart attack during the Star Wars stream. And part of me is thinking, oh, at my funeral, they're going to go, at least he died on a Star Wars stream. <laughs> I'm like, that cannot happen. <laughs> so I grabbed Scott and Stephanie I said, Scott. I'm in trouble, and I grab him, and he's like thinking I want to go to he, I want him to go to the bathroom with me, <laughs> and so he grabs Stephanie and says Dan needs something. So Stephanie takes me out. I'm going out, making it out, laying down on this bench, heart is flying, I can't catch my breath. I'm thinking I'm going to sneak and die at a movie theater, watch the Star Wars. <laughs> they take me to the ER. and the come out eating your popcorn as they walk up, look at this guy <laughs> <laughs> on the bench. It was perfect. Really great time. My pride in myself was fantastic. And so I go in and they run these tests and they say, Mr. Walsh, we know what what, what you got and you're going to be okay. And I said, wonderful. What is it? And they said, you've got acute anxiety or acute not cute. An acute panic attack is what you just had. And I was like, what are you smoking? Man, I've never had a panic attack in my life. This has gotta be something. And for for months, this thing would rear itself up again and again. I went to heart guys, I did stress tests, I did I mean, this guy was like, dude, man, you were like running laps around everybody that's ever walked in this office. Your heart is perfectly fine. I'm like, are you sure? Because if I die, I'm going to kill you. You know, so that's what i think. You're an expert. I'm trusting you, but I don't believe you because I would wake up at night and I, I couldn't breathe. This this weird stuff would occur. And I used to think this. And and, um, and if, if you and there's there's some people in this room that struggle with this. And this is you're going man, you're going a lot into this, but it's important for you to hear because the text text that we we, we approach tonight does. Does, does meet you in a special place, but it's it's not exa- exactly the same for everybody, okay? But I used to think, I have youth, I've had youth for years on youth trips, and sometimes they'd have a panic attack or something like that, and this is what I I, I would say, and I didn't mean it to, to be mean, but I was like, hey, just breathe out, just breathe out, give the okay, just breathe out. Now I'm like, I'm going to punch in the face you tell me to breathe out, because it's just something you can't really control sometimes. So there, there is anxiety where it's not, uh, yo, yo, bro, just trust God and you, you'll be fine. That's part of the deal. Man, trying to go, okay, God, whatever's going on, I know that you are here. I know that you've got a plan. That's part of the deal, but that doesn't solve it. Do we get that? So when you've got a friend or you've got, got someone that deals with this, don't say, hey, I heard Dan preach on this. And, man, you just going to do this and this. What's wrong with you? You don't have enough faith. Don't you dare do that. There's a lot more to it than that. Can I get an amen at all? All right. You're with me. Okay, so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to run through this, so hang with me. You all are doing a great job. We're going to begin at the end of verse 5 and go to to verse 9. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's holy word. Philippians 4, and we'll go to verse 9. Actually, verse 5, at the end of verse 5, it says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus finally brothers whatever's true what whatever's honorable, whatever's just whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable if there's any excellence. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and re- received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together one more time. Dear God, I thank you for your word. Lord, use this word to touch our hearts, to change our, change our lives. For to Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, <clears throat> we ended the last week and, and or two weeks ago, I think Chris spoke this past week, I think I heard Chris did a great job. Um, but the week before that, when I, we we ended on the, and keyed on the phrase that the Lord is near, and man, we can rejoice with the fact that the Lord is near. And in this text, we don't know if that phrase is attached to verse five or it's really supposed to be attached to verse six, where we go where it says the the Lord is 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 near or at hand. Do, do not be anxious about anything. Most believe that it's supposed to be attached to the end of five and the start of six. Paul wrote it in there to refer to both, to remind them that the Lord is near. Now let me, point number one, we're already at point one and we'll be at point two in just a minute. Point one's this. May I remind you when there's stress in life, when you don't know what to do, God When you don't know what's going on around you, God is in control. That's what God is near here. Now, now Jesus talked about stress and anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, turn there in your Bibles if you've got them. We'll, we'll have it on the screen. I'm just going to jump around to a couple verses in Matthew 6. On, it's in the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 25, this is what it says. It says, therefore, I tell you, do, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. It goes on in verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Verse 33 and 4 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So he's talking about anxiety and stress and anxiousness, and he goes on to say in there, hey, doesn't God take care of the birds that fly? Doesn't he take care of the flowers on the ground and how they grow. If God takes care of those things, how much more is He going to take care of you, who are made in the image of God? So He's saying, "Hey, be—you know—be, don't be anxious. It doesn't help you. You can't add to your life. And today does have enough junk in its own right. Hey, isn't there just enough stuff in one day to to work through?" But it doesn't help you to be concerned about the next. So there's some huge truth there. And this is what the main truth is. God's in control. You know these things in life that that, that can wreck you? I want you to know something. God's in control. Sometimes that, 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 that doesn't feel like it. Sometimes I mean, it's not working out the way that I planned. I made a stand for God. And my friends turned against me. And now I'm all alone. I still want to tell you this. God's in control. But I did what was right at work, and uh, and and I I got fired and let go, and that person didn't, and I got the blame. And I tell you this, God's in c- control. I've got these friends and I tr- trusted them, and they, they 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 stabbed me in the back, and it hurt. I mean, I'm sorry. I know that hurts, but I know this. In the midst of all this, God is in control. I I thought as I'm like. I'm, 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 you'll, you'll be stunned but two, two years ago, I was 45, and I'm like, I'm having pa- panic attacks as a 45 year old for the first time. You know what? I've, I've said over and and over every day, God's in control. Sometimes I've got to, I've got to convince myself because you're, you you wonder because you just you, it just doesn't make sense. That's what I, I, I want you to hear. Have you ever heard the Bible talk about faith? Yeah. Yeah, just just have faith, man, and and, and faith is, is and faith, faithfulness one of the fruits of the uh, spirit. Faith isn't just a b- belief in God. Okay, you know what really faith practicing faith is believing God's in control and that He cares. He's in control and He cares. That's what practicing faith is. That's when you when you go, man, that that person has great faith. A lot of times you see a missionary on the field and they've given up so much. They believe two things. God's in control and he cares and they live it out. That's how we, we live out our faith. And if you deal with a diagnosed anxiety type of deal, I just want to tell you, as you work through it and, and whether you take meds to help. And sometimes you need to take meds. I've had to take meds to help. It's okay. It's Somebody goes, man, you just don't have enough faith. That's just if they 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 tell it to you. Tell tell me their name, I'll come out. I'll be glad to have a talk with them because sometimes we need help. We need God. God makes folks with great minds who, who give us medicines to help help us through a lot of things. So so don't think there's less faith involved. But let me tell you this: even if you deal with it, I want you to know this thing, and if you can say this thing to you every day if you have to, or every hour. God's in control and He cares about me. That's not going to fix it all like that, but it but it helps. It helps. Are you still here? Yeah. All right. Look here in in in, in, in verse eight. Verse six said, "You know, just 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 to repeat it, do, do, do not be anxious about anything." But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Bring it to God. And I don't know if you've ever experienced the peace of God before, but there's nothing of this world that is anything like the peace of God. I experienced the peace of God when I became a believer in Christ. I understood as a 16-year-old at a camp, my sin and my sin separated me from, from God. And there was no way I could get there on my own. But as as the guy spoke, he talked about that God made a way through sending Jesus Christ as a perfect sacrifice. And when I understood, dude, he he gave his life for me so I could have a relationship with God because I can't get it on my own. I mean, I came running at that point because there was nothing better in this life. And when I gave my life to Christ at that moment, I've never had a peace greater than that, ever. But the peace of God is amazing. So so don't underestimate. Estimate it. So verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You've heard me tell many stories, uh, if you've been here for any amount of time, about my dad. Right? Yeah? I've got a picture. Some of you may have seen it. online this, this past week. Here, there's, there's my mom and dad. Uh, we're, we're, we're this is my dad right here, just so you can tell him no. Uh And there's, we're celebrating my mom's 78th birthday this past week. And there's the grandkids there. And they're looking okay. All right. Um, but so that's my dad. And there's a lot of stories. My dad and mom didn't meet until they were in their mid-20s. She was a dental hygienist. And he, uh, she cleaned his teeth for two years before he got in there to ask her out. And my dad was like a – she was a – my mom was very refined. My dad was just a redneck. And, um, uh, and so he asked her out, and they went out on, on a date. I think on, on their, their first date, my mom turned to my dad and asked him this question. She said, why should I uh, seriously date you or go out on a date with, with you again off guard? And she says, she even tells the story. She says, without a pause, my dad replied and said, Well, I'm trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, cur- courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And at that point, she went, Dear Lord, who is this man I just asked <laughs> this question to? And he rattled all those things off just like that, without a pause, without a blink. Not long after that, they were engaged and married. Uh, Only years later did she learn that my dad had been a Boy Scout. And when she had asked him that question, he had quoted the Scout Law, (laughs) which has 12 points. A Boy Scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. (laughs) Smooth, right? <laughs> Dude, that's really smooth. That's really smooth. And what, what, what a great list of what? When she asked him, "What are you?" He said, "This, this is what this is best I got." And he, he put that out there right here in the text. We see a list. That's a beautiful list of what we're called to pursue. Look at this list. What, 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 whatever is 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 true, right? Absolute truth, God's truth. That's what we're supposed to pursue. Whatever is noble. You know what? Things with integrity, things with dignity, things with honor, we're supposed to pursue whatever is right, righteous, moral, whatever is pure. Know know what pure doesn't mean just sexual purity. No, it means it means set apart. It means different from the world. Whatever is lovely, And things that God has cre- created that, that draw, draws you to it. Whatever is admirable. And those who speak into, into your life that are worthy to be admired. This is, Paul writes, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. So, being in right relationship with God is someone who pursues these things things that are truthful, noble, righteous, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. This is an amazing list. We should go, okay, this is what I want my life to look like and to be after. I was re- reading a book. Just you know, y'all are like, man, he can read. I know it's surprising. I was re- reading this book right here uh, this past week or so, called Meet Generation Z" by J- James White. I'm trying to understand you people because you're weird. Uh, and this book says it all that you are weird, uh, but that's okay. But there's a there's a, a quote uh, that I just wanted to share with you. I think I, I might have the slide. This is what it says. It says the the uh, the word church from the Greek ekklesia literally means the called out ones. It is a word that was used in Jesus' day for any group that was gathered together for a specific purpose or mission. Jesus sees the term to speak of a group with a very specific purpose or mission, setting it apart from every other group or mission. I want to remind you, the first thing I wanted to remind you was God's in control and He cares. Second thing I want to remind you tonight is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are the church and not the world. Why does he do that list? Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is, is, is noble, whatever is pure, admirable. Why does he do that list? Because you are you are the church. You are not the world. You are a called out one. That's what the church is. Wherever we go, we are going to stand out like a sore thumb and the world isn't going to like it because we are called out ones because we follow after Jesus Christ what much of the world hates and it's only going to hate more that's what we're supposed to be and what's the, the purpose and 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 mission of the church look at Matthew chapter 28 you know to turn there we got on the screen verse 18 it starts like this and Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all Nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the, of the, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. That's what the purpose of the called out ones. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ in this youth group, in this church, you might be at a church somewhere somebody else and only here on Wednesday nights, if you know Jesus Christ, you are a called out When We've got to live like that. Another book, I've read two books in my life, was written oh, yes. 12 years ago, and it's called UnChristian. a time it was what a new generation really thinks about Christianity. So it's more the mi- 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 millennials' viewpoint. View, view, view and there's some statistics here that are sort of – I just want you to see them. This is, um, go ahead and put the first slide up there. Born again adults aged in this this survey, 20 to 40, who believe it's acceptable to get drunk. Wait, okay, born again. Saying that they profess faith in Jesus Christ and they are following Jesus Christ of this age group 12 years ago. So now they're 32 to, to 52 This is what they said back then. Get drunk, 35%. It's okay to get drunk. Let me remind you something. Ekklesia means called out ones. means different. means set apart. Now, some of you might... In a room like this, with teenagers, I guarantee profanity is an issue. You struggle with it. If you're at school, you might fight against it. You may have fought against it, and you don't fight against it now. Uh, I won't talk about when I was a teenager because they were not pretty gays, but I didn't know the Lord. And I still struggled once I got to know him, but he, he worked on me for a while. This is how many believe it's okay. I mean, it's okay. It's, a, it's a, 37%. Uh, pretty low. Pretty low, yeah. Yeah, well, this is, yeah, born again think it's cool to do. Think it's okay. Not that they do it because I think more than that, do it. But there's guilt involved, right? So, uh, sex outside of marriage. I believe it's okay. This, this is a, they think it's acceptable. Say, hey, if you love them, it's okay. I've heard that in the church so many times. I just, I'm just i like, seriously? That's called sin. You know, God's got a plan for you, a man and wife. It's called marriage. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Sex outside of marriage, it's 44%. Believers And these are adult believers in the church. Now this is, they, they think, this is interesting. The first one refers more to, to the short relationships or one night stands. The, this next one is, it's they believe it's okay to cohabitate. That's live together before you're married. But you love each other, so it's okay. Born again adults, this is what they said. 59%. 59%. This is 12 years ago. You think it's better or worse? It's it's probably worse. Question, are you going to be the church? Are you going to be the called out ones? Because you're going to be going against the flow, even of some of the church. I'm not saying this is our church. We did this in our church this week. No, this is just from 12 years ago in this book. But it's what some of the believers said. And I've read that and I'm like, are you serious? Somebody's got to decide to change things. Somebody has got to decide, and a group is much better than a person by themselves. Man, isn't it hard to do something by yourself? You're still called to do it. Even if you're alone, you're called to live for Christ. But isn't it better to grab folks around with you and drag them along? This is in that book. It said this, When asked to identify their activities over the last 30 days, born-again believers were just as likely... To bet or gamble, to visit pornographic sites, to take something that did not belong to them, to console a medium or psychic, to physically fight or abuse someone, to have consumed alcohol, to be legally drunk, to have used an illegal non-prescription drug, to have said some, something that wasn't true, to have gotten back at someone for what they did to him or her, and to have said mean things behind a person's back. No difference. Is that sad to you? That is scary to me. Because we have lost the concept of what a church is supposed to be. And if we can just remember that, that root. What does the, the word mean? It means called out ones. When Jesus used the term. It was because, hey, you are my people. And you are not supposed to be like the world. You are supposed to be like me. That is what Jesus said. And I am seeking after God. And you might be saying to yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm not like that. I think I'm doing pretty good. The, the world's going to call and to, 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 to claw at you. Are, you. are you ready to fight against it? And I've got a free point. We'll just call it point three. We're about to wrap things up. And this is it. You'll never think about the things of God unless you reg, regular, regularly immerse yourself in the word of God. You will never, never think about the things of God unless you regularly immerse yourself in the Word of God through preaching, through Bible study of your own, through small groups, through that quiet time. You just can't do it. How are you going to know what's true, what's right, what's, what's noble, what's what's pure, what's excellent? We won't know that list unless we know this. Called out ones, that's what we're called to be. Let's, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, just a chance to talk about your Word and this truth. God, you call us to be called out. And God, forgive us. and God, forgive me for where I fall short. To when the world shoves and, and, and we are quiet, God, may we stand up. May we speak up. Lord, even when it costs us, Lord, may we stand together as the body of Christ. Uh, Lord, may we, 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 we show you to a world that needs to see you. And God, some will come to you. God, I praise you for that now. Give us the courage to follow. Lord, as we deal with stress and worry, anxiety, for all of us, whether it's rational or irrational or even a diagnosed condition, Lord, may we know these two things, that that you are in control and that you care. And God, I thank you that you're in control. I thank you that you care. But In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all have a great week.